episode 13 of our podcast. We're sitting here on the great orange couch at Pinfeather Studios. My name is Dieter Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. As we gather around today, and I, I just, I can't stop thinking about how great it was. Uh, the other day, uh, Jenny and I went to uh, speak at Unity of Gainesville. And this was our time to do our branching and talk. We've got like a, a workshop that we do a presentation about our book, Branching In, The Journey from Alone to All One, available at Amazon.com in a bookstore near you. So we've got a, a thing that we do, you know, and, and we've done it a few times now, and we've done a version of it on some of the radio shows we've been on and things like that. But I have to say that, first of all, Union of Gainesville is a great church, just a great community and all of that, but... It was so much fun because you and I know our parts. It felt like jazz. It was good. It was a really good service, and I loved the people there. I loved how they responded. So much of it really does depend on what the audience is giving back to you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth, and other times it's so effortless. And this time it just felt really, really effortless. They're, they were so sweet and so just wonderful hosts to us and i i do i love that congregation and that church it's a it's a great place well if you're any ever anywhere near gainesville florida unity of gainesville is a great church and a big part of it is that reverend jennifer Sachs is a great minister and so those people are used to that and in some ways a church is really an outpicturing of the consciousness of the spiritual leader you know and so it really is a testament to how great she is. But when I say it's like jazz, what I mean is it's like if we were playing instruments, we know our scales, we know the song, and we know each other's parts well enough to where I, I'm not a huge fan of classical music because for me the problem has already been solved. It's artificial in a certain sense, and I know that there's an amazing amount of beauty and accomplishment there. It just doesn't do anything for me. In jazz... They know where they need to go, but they ha we have to watch them solve the problem, the musical problem, live. When you are able to trust yourself and the other people in the band enough, you can kind of go all over the place. And for us, that's what it felt like on Sunday. Well, I think you've been doing this for so long mm -hmm. that when we started, I don't know that you had the trust in me that you do now. And I think that that's earned. And, and it's not a slight on my oh, ability well, no, to I mean... do it. And I understand that. <laughs> but but you do have to build up that trust about the person that you're working with. And just because we've been married for so long doesn't mean that I'm good with you on stage. You know, we had to figure that out and, and kind of, you know, go back and forth and come back and say, nope, that didn't work. Yes, this did. And really kind of do the analysis there. So it doesn't always mean that because you're good together in one area of your life that you're going to be automatically good in the other. And I'm just really happy that we have gotten to a place where we can kind of do that dance on stage. And I'm still green. I haven't done this in a really long time. I mean, you've been doing it for more than 20 years. I've been doing it for six months. Yeah, but so, you, you got know. up there, you opened, and you killed it. Well, But yeah, I, I have done, even at First Unity, our, our home church here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the finest city on the face of the earth, sometimes Reverend Temple, the senior minister there, she and I will share the Sunday lesson. And normally a Sunday lesson is about 20, 25 minutes. And so the way that will work is I'll do 10 minutes and she'll do 10 minutes or vice versa. But that's not what we're talking about. When you and I do our thing, 
it's back and forth. It's dialogical and we pass the ball. And we have gotten to that place. I really feel like we've kind of gotten into the zone on that. And it just felt so good. And man, you got up there and you blew them away. Well, thank you. So did you. You're a good closer. You're a good closer. <laughs> but you know what? I have to say, my, you know, that was lovely. But my favorite part of the day was just the drive up with you and the drive back. It was about two and, and a half hour drive. Yeah. And it was just time together in the car and, uh, you know, having lunch with you and just, just kind of taking a little bit of time to, you know, just listen to some music and, and chill out a little bit. And, you know, we listened to some Paul Simon and we listened to a lot of, you know, a little bit of John Denver, just a tiny bit, you know, just ti- it makes, a tiny it, bit. It, it reveals that we're not really that old, but I'm comfortable with being older than I am chronologically, sure. if you know what I mean. Sure, absolutely. And I think we ended up listening to a little, uh, that song September a little bit, a little bit of Stevie Wonder, and, uh, you know, and of course, a road trip is not complete unless you have a little bit of Lionel Richie. He <laughs> has, he absolutely has my heart. All I don't long. know why. I don't know why, but I, um, isn't he coming? Isn't he coming to perform? Yeah, and in fact, I wanted to bring that up to you because we talked about it in the car that we would go see Lionel Richie. In a heartbeat? That makes us sound unspeakably lame. I don't care. But I, first of all, I don't care. You know you're safe with Lionel Richie. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I I want to talk about that in a second. There's something about that. That's like a slogan or something. But I don't know. That tickled me. You know you're safe. With Lionel Richie. Hi, I'm Lionel Richie for ADT alarm system. But I, I'll tell you what I mean by that in in just a second. But so we were talking about that in the car on the way back from Gainesville, and after we got home, I looked it up because we said we would go see Lionel Richie, yes. even though we'd be the yes. youngest people in the room by a Possibly. reasonable margin. Um, what I found out is Lionel Richie is coming to town this summer. And that's great. I almost hit the button right then to buy tickets, but I found out that Lionel Richie is sharing the stage with Mariah Carey. And oh. I'm just not, I don't know if I can go there. Oh, that's, that's tough. Unless Mariah Carey, we can, there's some kind of rider where they can promise that she's going to act crazy like she does. Yeah, so if I, you get wild, crazy Mariah Carey, see, that's a good show. But, but I don't, I don't know. The thing is, Ooh, that's a tough call. No one, this is the point. This is what I wanted to go with this. No one can really be crazy with Lionel Richie right there. <laughs> it's, he's like Xanax. He's just, huh? he, and here's my theory. There are certain songs, all anything by Lionel Richie, anything by Stevie Wonder, for example. There are certain songs, certain types of music that you will get you out of trouble. If If you were in a war zone and you played... September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, the war would stop. Just for a moment. You can't be angry. Yeah. And Jenny, the next time I do something stupid and you're mad at me, September or something by Lionel Richie, we're going to do anything. In fact, I would take any power jams, you know, let it whip by the Daz band. You can't be mad when that's going on. It's true. You can't. You dropped a bomb on me. Forget it. All anger goes away. All aggression goes away. This aggression will not stand when Lionel Richie is in the house. I love it. I and think that's awesome. There's something I don't know. beautiful about We're going to, maybe, maybe we Rochambeau um, about whether or not we buy the tickets. And I can't imagine that he's coming on second. 
So maybe we no, go and we watch a from Mariah Carey. Uh, yeah, I'm sure of it. But, but but maybe we maybe we see what's up with her, and then if it's not cool, there's going to be cruise. some weird duets and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? I don't so, I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know. Like I said, a, a good a flipping of the coin or a Rochambeau or something to make that decision what, might be good. We'll let the listeners decide. Send us an email, info at unitysociety.com or Jenny at Unity Society or Dieter at Unity Society. Let us know what, because what, we'll go and we'll talk about it on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. But I, right now I'm, I'm scared of Mariah Carey and I don't, I don't know if Lionel's power is enough to bring me through that storm. We'll see. I don't know. Thundercats ho. But I'm in training for it. And one of the things that I'm doing to try to get into shape is... <laughs> Is I'm trying to activate my brown fat. This is all of a sudden this podcast became an infomercial. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yeah, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have I have an idea. It's just that was a that was a little bit of a weird segue, but we'll we'll we're gonna go with it. We're gonna go. We're just we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna run with it. But okay, that's why so, I said it sounded like an infomercial. It was like yeah. Well, let me tell you about copper bottom pants. Odd. Anyway, no, I, I, I do know a little bit about what brown fat is. Um, isn't it the, it's the, it's the fat that babies have when they're born. This is, look, this is a stupid article I read the last time I was on the airplane. Oh. But the basic idea is that babies are born with this and someone is going to write into us and tell me all about it. And I'm grateful for your participation in this unfoldment. But the basic idea is that babies don't know how to shiver yet. They haven't developed that. And so everybody has what's called brown fat. And brown fat burns your regular fat to keep you warm. Okay. And so the idea is, and it's this, a bunch of people are doing it, get yourself into a situation where you're cold and you teach yourself not to shiver. That sounds like my nightmare. I, I have like sweaters and socks on at all times. I, I don't I don't like being cold at well, all. But and you read about like these monks or you know yoga dudes. That's what they call themselves, yoga dudes. That uh, <laughs> that uh, can be you know have no clothes on and be in a, a freezing waterfall. And there's this group of people that climb mountains. Like they they just climb Kilimanjaro in shorts. And you activate this ability, and their skin is warm to the touch. Now, obviously, I'm not doing that. But one of the ways you can do it is you, you get in the shower, you take your regular shower, you shampoo, whatever, whatever. And then when you're done, when you're rinsing off, you put the water just as cold as you can stand it. And you, you rinse off and you stand under that for a minute and you, you just breathe into it and you don't shiver. And this is something I've actually been doing for a really long time. I didn't know I was on the cutting edge of medicine and science and working out. But... Um, I read the James Bond novels, the Ian Fleming, the old school James uh-huh. Bond. Yeah, I know you and, do. Yeah, I've got them all. I reread them now and again. And they're perfectly silly. And in fact, they're not up to date. There's some sexist stuff. There's some there's some stuff that's not cool. But, you know, it's a snapshot. It is what it time. is. But anyway, there's a couple of places in the novels where it talks about things like what James Bond eats. And it talks about James Bond has been doing these showers where you, t- you put it as cold as you can stand at the end. And so... I've done that for a long time because I'm a big nerd, but it helps you wake up in the morning at least. But look, I'm ready for anything between cold showers and Lionel Richie, which is kind of the opposite of a cold shower. (laughs) Uh, I am ready for anything. So maybe I can take on an evening with Mariah Carey singing. I'm not sure though. I don't know. I don't know. So what's your, what's your goal with the, um, 
with the brown fat? Is that just something that you're going to do? Or? It's just good for you. It's supposed to. It's, it's supposed just good to, for you. It's a good way to burn fat, but mostly for me, it there's there's articles and articles about the cold shower thing, and it's supposed to activate your immune system and all that. I don't know. All I know is it helps me wake up in the morning. And we live in Florida where if you live in Florida, you know this feeling of in the summertime, you take a shower and you get out and it's so hot and humid that you feel like you need to take another shower immediately. If you stop your shower with something really cold, you don't have to, you don't have that feeling. So this is a Florida defense mechanism. Oh, okay. All right. Well, because I'm not doing it because it sounds horrible and miserable. And I think we should end this segment with a disclaimer that we are not professionals. We are, we're not giving medical advice. And, and um, if you want to take cold showers, do it at your own risk. Activate your brown fat. <laughs> Hashtag activate your brown fat. <laughs> Let's dig in a little bit. And this is something that we were talking about earlier. And we're going to be talking about complaining tonight. And it's funny because it sounds like we're complaining about complaining. But I can't help it. For some reason, you know, we don't, there's no accidents. We draw to ourselves what we're ready to think about and talk about and all of that stuff. We know this. Everything that goes on happens by right of consciousness. Got it. Check. So, for whatever reason, there are a number of people who I talk to on a regular basis, and I have my I find myself in a position where I get to offer advice and sort of just listen to what's going on in people's lives, and I'm so honored, so flattered. But there's a couple of people that I've just been in this world with a little bit, and lately, all they want to do is complain, and. You know, I'm a good unity baby. I I know how to, you know, let's look on the right side. Let's do this and that and the other. And I cannot do it. I can't seem to turn it around. And I know that this is a good lesson for me personally because I can't change somebody else's mind. You know, it's not my job to save somebody's soul. I can only be here for you and all that sort of thing. So it's a good reminder to get the old ego out of the way. But I wanted to talk about complaining in general. Because it's come up for a lot, a lot for me lately. I think that when you're young, you hear adults doing it. And I think that there's, there's a part of every single person that thinks if I've got something to complain about, then I'm a grown-up. Well, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me also think of this trading of um horror stories and and how busy you are and that is that is complaining it's the, currency, the, yeah right? the art of being busy it's crazy because it's like well i've done this and i've done this and i've driven here and i've done that and blah 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 and i can't tell if you're happy about that or mad about that or you're feeling you know frustrated or you're you'd like a change because you don't you can't it, it, you're shooting out these facts at me about what your day has been and I got nothing for you because generally speaking, my day is filled with, well, you know, I had work to do, good work, work that I am happy to do that is not, you know, uh, 
horrible for me. It's it's work that I'm proud of. And you know what? Even when it comes to like doing the dishes or doing any kind of housework, the whole time I, I'm doing it, at least I try. I won't say all the time, but most of the time I'm kind of like, thank you God for this house over, you know, that we have and that I am cleaning it and everything else. So I don't know. I, I don't think that I am a complainer by nature. And when I'm around a complainer, it wears me out. Well, you it's know, so tiring. I can't keep up. There's a sadomasochistic feedback loop, which also sounds like a Jamiroquai album. I was going to say, that's a good, that's a title of a good album. There's a sadomasochistic feedback loop that people seem to engage in to the point where if somebody doesn't have something to complain about, they're almost not trustworthy. It's like, are you on drugs and or Scientology? Because you're happy all the time. And and I want to make it very clear. Life is work. And I got stuff that I am really chewing on at all times. And I never want to be done with that. I am always going to be climbing the next mountain. And sometimes the stuff I have in front of me is hard. I've had my share of sleepless nights. This is not a Pollyanna existence. And I'm not suggesting that. And I'm also not suggesting that somebody is weak if they struggle. But I have to say, and I think that you and I have this in common, it just doesn't occur to me to share that with other people. No, I, I don't. I mean, you know when I'm feeling a little bit down or something, you know, something's getting to sure. me. But I don't tend to share that a lot. And I don't think it's because I'm afraid to. It's For me, it's like, well, what's the point? Well, it's also not the truest thing about you. And so there's a couple of things that go on. First of all, I, I, it doesn't help me to talk about it. But more than that, it's a lot of things. I think that part of it is the godfather. Never let anybody outside of the family know what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe it, it's a, you know, I don't want it to go racial, but I'm a German. And we just don't talk about that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It, well, you're we, also Midwestern, and that's the, yeah. that's a double whammy. You know you me, just, I can't complain. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, you yeah. just you just take it on the chin, and you keep on going. Yeah, and so once again, I'm not judging anybody else, but it just doesn't. It I always feel yucky if I get into that, and I have to say, I've had a couple of times I can think of where I got into it, and I started really complaining about something, and then I felt gross at the end. It wasn't, it didn't make me feel better just to unload on somebody. I felt like I had made things worse, you know? And so I just, I don't get it, but I have to say that I think that there's a desire to feel grown up. I think that there's a desire to say, look how strong I am by virtue of how much I can take. Yeah, how How much much I can suffer. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this is this is there's religious roots here. You know, this is this is Calvinism. This is that idea that that, you know, if I'm really struggling, then I'm somehow earning my place in heaven. But that's just ego. You know, that really that's what it comes down to. It comes I think it comes down to ego and the fear that you are not good enough unless you are doing all of this stuff, unless you're keeping up with the Joneses and you have exactly what, and you're doing it exactly the right way. Well, what is the right way? There's no, there, you know, there's no normal life. There's just life. It's that really great quote from Tombstone when Doc Holliday is dying mm, yeah. and, and uh, he's talking to Wyatt Earp and he's like, 
There's no such just thing. Just go. Go yeah. go and grab, you know, that spirited girl and make her your own. It's like, just go and do. Go stop, do. Stop thinking about what you don't have. Because at this point in the movie, he's, he's really down and out and he doesn't have any more money and one of his brothers is dead and so on and so forth and everything. And it's just like, everything's gone. And he's just sitting there and, and you know, Doc Holliday who is on his deathbed, who is actually dying, is giving this advice. He's like, go and live, go and do. And that's what I kind of want to tell people. I want to say it doesn't, it doesn't do any good for you to have that complaining right out in the forefront. But as I'm saying that, it occurs to me that maybe, and I don't know, this may be something you can, you can, uh, come back at me about but maybe there is a certain catharsis that happens that if if you're complaining about what you're doing you don't have to change it well i wanted to talk about that actually i'm glad you brought that up it is a proven fact that complaining scratches the same itch in your brain chemistry or whatever that it scratches the same itch as actually solving the problem so complaining actually makes things worse because if I complain about a thing there's a part of my brain that says oh you handled it mm. so the energy that I could have used to actually make the situation better I used to complain about it instead and so I didn't fix it and time being what it is the situation is only going to get worse and I I'm not doing anything about it now because in my brain, I'm, oh, well, I dealt with that. Well, you didn't deal with it. You just complained about it. Your brain doesn't know. In the same way that your brain doesn't know the difference between, let's say, real stress and imagined stress, if I complain about a thing, it's a cheap way to feel like I did something about it, but I didn't, so it's going to get worse. And I love what you said about Tombstone. I'll give you another one. One of my favorite movies is a movie called Moonstruck. Oh, you know, yeah. We've watched that together yeah. a million times. There's this great speech, uh, Nicolas Cage and Cher, are talking and they both know that they're in love with each other and she doesn't want to be in love with him because he's not the person that she had envisioned and I don't know the quote verbatim but he basically says look love is not perfect the stars are perfect but you and I life is messy we're here to ruin ourselves and fall in love with the wrong people and just make a mess and there's something really beautiful about that. The, the stars are perfect. The ideal is perfect. God is perfect. Love with a capital L is perfect. But the way that you and I as human beings express that love, experience that love, is mediated by the fact that we're human beings. You know, it's kind of egotistical to assume that you can contain all there is to love, for example. So putting those two ideas together, Tombstone and Moonstruck, Tombstone and Moonstruck, by the way, my favorite buddy cop movie. We'll talk about that mm -hmm. some other. To put those two ideas together, it's never going to match your ideal because ideals don't exist in the material world. They're, they're channeled through. They're mediated by. So just take it for what it is. There's no sense complaining about it because, you know what, even that flawed thing, there's something beautiful about that. And there's that great wabi-sabi of the, the moment of, you know what, there's a flaw in this, and that's what's really interesting and, and attractive about it. You know, that Leonard Cohen, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something just gorgeous about it. So stop complaining about it. 
find something to praise. And in fact, I want to give people that moment. The next time you feel like complaining about something, flip the script on yourself and decide to praise exactly the thing you were going to complain about. And it's going to feel really goofy. So pretend you've got, there's a guy in accounting at work and you just hate the guy. You can't get along with him. And you just, you wish he wouldn't do that thing he does. You don't have to say anything to him, but in your mind, when you're talking, when you get home, you talk to your husband or wife, or when you're at the coffee shop, you know, just sort of decompress, wherever it is. I want you to say, oh, you know that guy, he he does X, Y, and Z, and I'm so grateful for it. And you're going to sound like a crazy person. But what I'm asking you to do is short circuit that complain reflex. Because the truth is, here's the thing, on the unity level, if it's bothering you, the universe is trying to tell you there's something in it for you to learn. Maybe it's something that's true about you that you need to deal with. Maybe it's just that this is a part of the universe that needs your attention. Who knows? God knows. But the way to get to that educational opportunity is to bless it. Let me say this differently. If all I do is complain, I'm not going to make it better. I'm only going to draw more of that to myself. You want to get out of that? Learn how to say thank you. Well, what's interesting to me is that you use the same amount of libidinal energy regardless. So, you know, whether or not you're going to complain or whether or not you're going to praise, you're using you're using that same energy source. So why not use that to move, to be better, to to grow, to learn something? You're going to have to deal with the situation one way or the other. So why not make it a positive situation? And the truth is that if you can't make a change, it's time for you to go, but you'll at least have an answer and you won't be miserable and exhausted on the on the other end of it. So for me, it really is not a good way to do it. I mean, and I I really try not to complain about about things anyway. And when you let it go, I find when you just release it and say, you know what, can't deal with it right now. It's really sticking in my craw and I just, I can't deal, but I don't want to complain. And you change that focus. I think that you learn something and you feel different. And I think, isn't that the key? Yes. And in fact, it makes me think of, this is so funny. I haven't thought of this in a million years. As you know, I went to a really weird hippie middle school where we just sat around and we talked about our feelings a lot and didn't do any actual math, for example. And so, boy, oh boy, I had some some relearning to do of, of other things when I went into college. But one of the things that was really great was there were actual grown-ups who actually listened to me. I grew up with, you know, my parents were very busy doing other things. And so we didn't have those kind of conversations. And part of it is I didn't really want to talk to my parents because parents aren't cool. Anyway, I went through a period where I was having the same kind of dream a lot. It's one of those typical scary dreams where you're being chased by a monster kind of a thing. And I had it all the time, almost every night. I would have these dreams about this monster chasing me. And I don't even remember how it came up, but I shared that with my teacher. And her name was Karen. It was a hippie school. We called our teachers by their our first names. And so I said to Karen, you know, here's the situation. I'm having these dreams. I don't know what. And she said, here's what I want you to do. Next time you're being chased by the monster, I want you to turn around and ask the monster for a gift. 
And it took a while because you know how dreams are. You can't always control the dream and all that. But finally I was able to do that and I didn't have the dream anymore after that. Wow. And so I don't think I've ever heard that story. Yeah. Honestly. But it's huh. it was interesting and it worked. And I, I like I said, I haven't even thought about that in forever. But the basic idea there is take the thing that's bothering you and see it as a present delivery mechanism. And I mean that both ways, both as something that can give you a gift and, and also as something that can bring you into the present moment. There's something really powerful about going, wait a minute, there's no accidents here. This thing is supposed to be happening. And by complaining about it, I'm acting like it is not supposed to happen. And that is ignorant. And that is denial in the negative sense of the word. It doesn't help anything. So what happens if we turn around and say, okay, moment, okay, guy in accounting or checkbook that I'm not crazy about or whatever it is, you're here to give me a present. I'm not going to waste my energy complaining about it. I'm going to recognize that the world is messy and the stars are perfect, that there's no such thing as normal living. There's just living, and I'm going to go about living it. So as we talk about our Listen Up segment, this is the segment where people write in their questions to us. And as you know, there's a lot of ways to send in your questions. We are very available on social media. Probably the easiest way is just to send a question to info at unitysociety.com. Okay, so this time our question comes from Mary B. And she asks us, what is tithing and how do I do it? I love it. Because she's straight to the point. It's like, what the heck is it and how do I do it? Yeah. And I just want to let you know there's a place on unitysociety.com where you can send us your money. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> kidding, but not, not kidding, but also kidding. I love that. It comes up a lot, right? I mean, it's this is the thing. We, we talk about it and we don't talk about it because unity people are weird about this because most people who come to unity have had some negative experience with some other church. Very few of us are unity babies. And so anything that feels like capital C church feels weird. So when a preacher talks about money, it's like, oh, now you're one of those guys, you know? And so people have very strange relationships with it. And when we talk about tithing, people don't know what that means. Maybe they came from a, re a religious tradition where you're supposed to give a certain amount and people there's forms that you fill out it oh i was gonna say my parents filled out forms about what their income was for that year and the church did expect 10 percent of that and as a member of that church and that was what your obligation to the to the religious center was to that church was so um yeah and i was i was obviously privy to that you know and and watched my parents do that for years but um, I think that obviously everybody kind of knows what tithing is. It's, it's, you know, giving your money or your time or your attention to the places that you are spiritually fed. Mm -hmm. That's what we would say in unity. And I just, you know, I find for myself that tithing to places doesn't necessarily mean giving to the church. 
And this that's, is important. Boy, it is. What a big and, deal. And it's 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 hard for us to say, obviously, because you know you do have to keep the lights on at church. It is a business. It is something that you know you have to got to keep the water on. You got to you got to have coffee. You have to have you have to have money. Money is a tool and you have to have that tool in order to get your message to the people. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And but the thing is that every church that ever was could be supported by the pocket change of the people that go to that church. Agreed. And the thing is if we really teach tithing, the rule is you give where you receive spiritual food. There's a lot more to say, but right now that's all that's important. So what I'm really saying is if I am running a church, I better be darn sure I am giving people spiritual food. And if I do that and I make sure people understand the laws of giving and receiving, that's part of it, right? But if I do that, then the church is going to be taken care of. So there's there's two sets of weirdness. There's this one weirdness where I require you to give a certain amount. That feels funny. Mm -hmm. But there's the other kind of weirdness where... I have, you know, the church has all kinds of weird, you know, bingo and, and, you know, pledge drives and all of that. And you know what? I'm not judging a lot of that, but I have to say that one of the things that I learned from my parents a long time ago, my mom always used to say, we don't raise funds, we raise consciousness. And that really sticks with me. You know, sometimes the nitty gritty is hard to figure out. I'll give you that. But there's a real beauty to that simplicity of it. Raise consciousness. So give to wherever you receive spiritual food. And it is a beautiful liberation to say, let's be the kind of people who don't think God only happens on Sunday morning. Well, I was going to say, we have a couple of stories that we can say that we we were spiritually fed by something just in our regular lives. And the first one um, that came to mind was a while ago. Um, you and I were here at the house and the kids were gone for the weekend they were at some retreat somewhere and we took that opportunity we had some we had we got had that new ceiling light that we had put oh, up yeah. right and we got obsessed with the movie or not with the movie but with the tv show fixer upper um chip and joanna Gaines, and it was really cool and you know if you read their story and what they're doing i i love what they're doing yeah, i absolutely do i'm an unabashed fan of them and I love the fact that their whole thing, the whole Magnolia thing has blown. Yeah, up. no, I think it's beautiful and wonderful and I love their story. But watching what they do as far as business-wise and watching as far as how they market and everything else, we were really inspired to sort of take um, Unity Society to the next level and everything else. And yeah. immediately we were like, we have to we have to tithe back to them. And so um, as soon as that realization hit us, we went on their website and we, you know, we, we donated some money and we, we bought a couple of things in their store and we gave back because we felt spiritually blessed by their presence here and in the world. And, and that's just, that's just how it went. And, and, and we were, and then we were blessed back. It was, it was really kind of a neat situation. And the other time that I can think of that recently happened, and this one just popped in my head was actually this last Sunday coming back. I from was going to bring that up because Jenny, that was, I was moved. That was all you. I was moved by it. What happened was for the listeners is, we went to a restaurant and it was actually really quiet in there. It was very quiet. But there was only a few people in tables and people in the booth right behind us. We had a great experience. The waitress was awesome. The food was great. 
no problem. And we were excited because we had just gotten done doing the service in Gainesville. Felt so good, just like I talked about a little while ago. The whole thing. But the people behind us were complaining. It's funny we're talking about complaining. They were complaining about everything. Food was cold and this and that and the other. And I find it hard to believe that anything was actually wrong. But well, and the guy even said, he's like, this sucks. And it was like, wow, you who, who says that? Who acts that way? Are you five? Yeah. But it was, anyway. It was weird. And I, 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 that makes me crazy. But they, you know, they left in a huff. The manager had been called to the table. They sent their food back. And the manager finally said, look, you know, what can we do for you? And they didn't want anything. And they had eaten most of their food, but they decided that they were going to leave at that point. They ended up not having to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, we were sitting there. We could both hear it. You couldn't help but hear it. We weren't really eavesdropping, but it was what it was. And Jenny, I'm so proud of you and happy to know you because you said, you know what? We need to tithe on, you know, because we sold, we sold out of our we books. We sold out of our at, books at Gainesville. Yeah. Gainesville. And there was a small honorarium for doing the Sunday service. And so, you know, it was, it was nice, you know, and, uh. It was a nice acknowledgement, but you said we need to tithe on that. And so let's give the waitress our tithe. Well, and the reason that I did that was because she came over and she was at our table and she's like, you know, it's been a heck of a morning and, you know, I just, but she was not really complaining and she wasn't really, and she was like, I am, I'm here and I'm here to serve you and it's been a hard morning, but she did it with such grace and such class and it just was a real good lesson for me. And she's like, you know, I was going to work a a double shift today, but after the morning I had, I'm not. And so it was a, it was not only a lesson in grace, but it was also a lesson in self-care for me. Exactly. She was taking care of herself and she's like, you know what? Money doesn't matter. I matter. And I thought, wow, that is such a, an amazing thing, especially for a waitress because you know they don't make anything. Well, and so for her not to go and do a double shift when you know she probably could have used the money, you know, I was thought, wow, that is – and right there and then I was like, okay, no, we're, we're tithing our 10% that we made today and we're going to give it to her. Well, and because that's that what was, we did. That was – I want to make it very clear. This was not charity. No, no. Because, you know, and there's nothing wrong with charity, but charity is not the same thing as a tithe. This is an important thing. The question was, what is a tithe? One of the things it's not is charity. If you feel led to give to charity, that's awesome. That's not the same thing as a tithe. You tithe where you receive spiritual food. And by our behavior, the waitress surely felt safe to complain about them. She could have said, these guys are jerks. And rolled her eyes in the whole thing. But just as you said, she handled it with grace and dignity. And it was very beautiful. And it was inspiring. And so we tithed to that moment of spiritual food. Because you know what? Whether or not you work in the service industry, you're here to serve. So do so with dignity. And it was beautiful. And that was your idea. And it was a really, really good idea. Well, it was a reminder. She reminded me of what we should all be to each other and for me that was a spiritual moment and so I tied to that spiritual moment and you know and to your credit you're right there with me I have a lot of crazy ideas and (laughs) mostly your job description is to just say yes to my crazy ideas and I so appreciate that but yeah it was it was just a, a good moment for me and I was like nope we got we have to do this and you know you've had you've had tons of moments like that too oh, of course but so we don't just give to spiritual institutions in fact there have been some Sundays when I have sat in church 
and and not given out of just obligation of putting something in the basket because I was not feeling it. And I think that that's a disservice when when you are not honest with about where your spiritual food is coming from. You're not hurting anybody else but yourself. Well, and the thing is, you're putting something out into the universe, right? By putting out that tithe to that waitress, who knows what happened to her and how her day was changed and who else was changed by that. It There is a ripple, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Part of what your tithe is is an acknowledgement of connectedness. We are all in this together. And what we put out there in the universe continues on. So if I'm putting money in the basket on a Sunday morning because of obligation or fear or something like that, I'm putting out something that isn't doing me any good and it isn't doing my church any good. That is not okay. And I'm sorry to say that because I'm a preacher. I want to be able to say you should always give 10% right to your church. But that's not the case. That's not how it works. Here's what tithing is. The word has to do with first fruits. This is from an agricultural community. The idea is the first bit of your crop you're supposed to give back to God. That's how this works because you're acknowledging that everything comes, comes from, from God. God. Before you pay your bills, before you do any earthly thing, you tithe. And 10 percent is the is the idea. Tithe and tenth come from the same root, but it doesn't really matter what the amount is. What matters is the level of meaning to you. So here's the thing: it is a tithe when it is a physical way for you to put God first. That's what a tithe is. Did you put God first in action through your giving, whether it's money, time, talent, presence, whatever, put God first with what you do and you are a tither. So if you've got it wired where God only happens in a very specific building on one hour a week, wow, that is a limited window for God to happen. So be the kind of person who looks for opportunities to tithe, and what happens is you become the kind of person who looks for spiritual food wherever you are. That is magic. I'm going to put God first wherever I happen to be, and what do you know? God shows up. So you want to know how to tithe? Be a giver. Give all the time. Now is the time that we check it out. And that basically is letting you all know what we're up to, where we're going to be, what we've been doing, um, all that good stuff. So um, the first thing I think we want to talk about is the uh, radio interview that we just did. Yeah, the Affirmative Prayer radio show. And you can find that on unity.fm. And it's Affirmative Prayer Reverend Beverly Molander. Yeah, that was great. We yeah. just did this interview a couple of days ago. It's now out there. Um, the live show has already happened, but you can get the recorded and and just find it. It was a it was a really fun it was a really fun interview. So go take a look at that. You you can listen to us if you're not tired of listening to us already. After <laughs> this, you can go listen to us some more um, on uh, affirmative prayer. And uh, speaking of listening to us on. Boy, we're blowing up the Unity.fm radio network. <laughs> we're all because over it. On, uh, on uh, March the 30th, we're going to be live on the Truth Transforms radio show. Once again, that's on Unity.fm. 
I'm just so happy that we've been invited back to Truth Transforms. This will be the second time that we've been on the show. We were on last month. So if you missed it last month, come join. And I believe it's on March 30th, but I don't have a time for that yet. So go look it up on unity.fm, the Truth Transforms radio show. We're going to be live on uh, March the 30th. And it's so much fun because we were on there before talking about branching in. But this time, it's just us being guests on his show, talking, and that, that is a call-in show. So there's going to be opportunity for people to call in and ask questions. Boy, I would love it if one of our podcast listeners called in on the show. That would be really, really cool. And then on April 2nd, we'll be at Unity of Sebring. I love that church. It's great. Just love it. And uh, then our uh, Unity Society Spring Gathering is... Um, April 7th through the 9th. And you can find out about that at events.imunity.org. It's not too late to register, although it's getting to be too late. To yeah, register. I just ordered t-shirts a couple of days ago. So I ordered some extra. So it's not too late to, to go ahead and register. But this will be the last week that you can do that and still be able to get the room rates that, that we have secured. So after that, we are going to be um, doing an Easter service at Straub Park in St. Pete, downtown St. Pete. Um, the service starts at 6.30. It's a sunrise service. The Randolph family is doing it. Dieter will be giving the message that day. I'll probably be doing a meditation. The kids will be doing music. We're really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a beautiful service. And so if you're down in that area or you just want to come see us and join us, please do. We would be absolutely honored. And then finally on uh, April 23rd, we'll be doing the uh, Branching In presentation at unity of sarasota and unity of sarasota is a gorgeous place sarasota is a gorgeous town and one of the finer uh, coffee places on the planet perk coffee perk, right i was there. gonna say perk coffee I mean, it's is no right there. it's no kawa coffee the finest coffee in the world and the finest city in the world but it is pretty darn good so there's lots of places to come find out about us go to unitysociety.com slash events for more details on all of this or you can go to the websites for the various venues. Unity of Sebring's got a great website. Unity of Sarasota's got a great website. Unity.fm's got a great website. So there's lots of ways to find us. You can also find us on all of the social media stuff. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all at the handle at the Unity Society for all of those. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Jenny A. Randolph. And I'm Dieter underscore Randolph at Instagram. And I'm just at Dieter on Twitter. So, um, Dieter, let's, um, wrap it up. Oh, you're killing me. All right. So here's the deal. Life is moving forward. And it is getting better all the time. We can't help but evolve. We can't help but grow. That's just the deal. We call ourselves children of God, and what children do is they grow. It's never going to be perfect. It is always going to be in process. But that's the perfection of it, to speak paradoxically. There's nothing that's ever done, and it's foolish to want things to be done, and it's really foolish to complain about things not being done, because... Really, what do you want? To hold still? Stagnation is death. We want process and we want struggle and we want victories. Life is messy and messy is great. Don't waste your energy complaining about it. Be in it. Love it. Learn from it. 
ask it for a present, and the monster becomes a teacher. Along the way, look for opportunities to serve, to grow, to give, and you find out that everything gets better the easy way instead of the hard way. This podcast has been recorded at Pinfeather Studios. Right here on the hashtag Orange Couch. Yep. <laughs> and uh, our sound engineer and just uh, inspirational figure is uh, the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She's 50% of the music, and the other 50% you hear is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. The two of them together are just incredible, and once again, they'll be doing the music with us on that Easter Sunday sunrise service. Our podcast is fully supported by you. And what that means is, well, it means you're supporting us. And you're supporting us with all of the wonderful gifts that you send, but the most important way you can support us is by spreading the word. So tell your friends. There's every everywhere you go, every page of unitysociety.com, everywhere you go, there's lots of ways to share the podcast, to share our articles, to send people a link. Hopefully, if you're still listening to this podcast, it's meant something to you. It's made some kind of a difference in your life. It can make that kind of difference in someone else's life too. So just spread the word. Like us on Facebook and all of those kinds of places. So that's one thing you can do. And the other thing you can do is write a review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, it's probably iTunes, but whether it's SoundCloud or Google Play or Amazon Alexa or one of a million podcatchers out there, wherever you're listening, take a moment right now and write us a review. I'm asking for five stars because five stars is what causes those people, those robots, those whatever they are to promote our podcast. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, iTunes says, hey, I should tell other people about it. And that's how this works. So write us a good review, spread the word, and you're making a difference in the world. Have an amazing week and try not to complain. Give that a shot. And I bet you your week will be better.